coming up live on YouTube with the draft on Thursday night. We break down where the Brooklyn Nets and Sean Marks stand on trying to trade Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. All of the trade chaos around the NBA at large and how it impacts the Nets. And ultimately, have Doug Norrie and myself found the prospects for Brooklyn in the first round? We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day over there. You're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings. I'm Adam Armbrecht covering the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms and tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code all caps locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. And Doug, from the man who didn't forget to take off his lanyard, we're talking draft. We're talking Brooklyn Nets, Sean Marks. There, there's a lot that is unfolding here as we get down to the official draft day. And it's kind of what we anticipated all this ramping up before eight o'clock Thursday night. Yeah, 24 hours less at this point, 20, less than 24 hours before the NBA draft starts. It's been a really pretty cool week in terms of just news already. It does feel like there's going to be more stuff that fires here over the next 24 hours. Already got a trade in a pretty big trade in the books, although it hasn't been completed with Chris Das Porzingis. We'll talk about that later. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on here. Word in Nets world about where they could be moving and shaking over the next 24 hours as well. Um, there's just a lot of moving pieces, and this is just a really, really cool time of year to be following the NBA. I, in, you know, in some ways, it's as fun to follow this stuff as it is to follow the, the games, right? This is the NBA becomes sort of a 12 month a year landscape, and this is one of the reasons. So, a lot of ground shift stuff that could happen here over the next 24 hours, uh, and definitely some net specific stuff that we're going to get into pretty shortly here. And on the back end, obviously, we'll talk about attending NBA Media Day, having yeah. a great opportunity to talk a lot of these young prospects. It was a lot of fun, so we'll tap into that on the back end of this episode. But net-centric, as we intend to be on this podcast, Sean Marks, the reports that came out throughout the day today as everyone's trying to wheel and deal, is that the Nets are driving a hard bargain around what they want back in return for Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal in potential trades. I'm not surprised by it. I am a little bit potentially concerned because we know where the nets are financially and this desire to shed some level of money here. You're not just throwing Joe Harris, you know, and his $20 million contract out the window. I do you, are you worried at all that push comes to shove and other deals get made before the nets can find the right trade partner? Because we know both these guys in, in Finney Smith and O'Neill do have incredible value around the league. And maybe Sean Marks is just trying to watch where these other pieces unfold. Yeah, so Jonathan Gavoni was on the Zach Lowe podcast today. They were getting into the nitty-gritty of some of the different stuff happening with teams. Uh, Lowe reported that the Nets were 
kind of, he, I think he, the words he was asking a lot, or maybe said pie in the sky when he came, I can't remember the, the implication was that they were driving. The, the price was pretty high. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, assume one or maybe multiple first round picks for either Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney Smith. Look, you can ask for whatever you want to ask for, but the market value is what someone will give you. So it's, you know, it's, doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're worth that that's just what you're asking but it does sound like at least what's happening now is marks and company are trying to move off at least one of those guys mm-hmm. with the understanding that there are teams out there that could use some veteran wing help that are in more in championship mode that would just those guys would be more valuable to some other teams out there lakers i don't know if the warriors are in on this like there's a couple of the, the cavaliers definitely need um definitely need some three wing help three slash four wing help for guys that can shoot so it does sound like marks and company are keeping the price high whether that's where they end up landing or trading them at all look they went down to the trade deadline last year with offers on the table for these guys and offer and opted not to, or at least for Dorian Finney-Smith and opted not to do it. So I'm just not sure exactly where they land here, but it does sound like they are aggressively trying to unload at least one of these guys before the draft. And my guess is in the end it happens and I, and I'm just not sure exactly what the price is going to be. Yeah, I wonder how much is attached to these 21st and 22nd picks, which we'll talk about more specifically at the back end here. But just around, because you talk about driving a hard bargain, well, there's the straight up trades, like you said, we want, you know, whatever, Atlanta's at 15 or Dallas is at 10. Dallas is at 10, and then they want to get back during Finney Smith. And Sean Marks says, great for the 10th pick. <laughs> yeah, and Dallas is like, whoa, no. like, well, let, let's get a little real here. That's not going right. to happen. And Sean's like, well, you know, they're like, okay, you know, 21 back. And he goes, well, no, no, I'm not giving up the pro. I'm not giving up the picks. I got guys that I want to draft in that, in that point. And that could, you know, I wonder if that's the starting point pie in the sky as it's referred to, or is it that the nets are trying to see, is there a team 16, 17, 18, that maybe that one-to-one trade makes sense, or maybe a second round pick can get thrown in. I don't think there's anything wrong with Sean Marks approaching it as like, I can take this as long as I need to, because while we've established when you're not a championship level team, you don't want to be in luxury tax. You don't want to be over the aprons. That's understood. But in spite of what some, you know, Nets fans have often said about Josiah, He's not cheap for the sake of, you know, not wanting to spend money. I, I I would assume there's an instruction here around, yeah, we want to get underneath it, but we have more than one way to do that. Buy out Joe Harris, right? You know what I mean? Like there's ways you can do this and keep the guys you know are clearly valuable and wait for the deadline to see how it unfolds as opposed to feeling pressured that you need to dump these guys for what you know is clearly diminished value. Yeah, I do. I see what you're saying. Um, I do think the 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 flip side to that is that this is also a wing heavy draft. The Nets ended up sticking in the 21 22 range. They think they might be able to get like 70% of what those guys offer, mm-hmm. maybe not in totality because of like the one for one skills, but like 70% of what those guys bring just in the draft on rookie scale contracts and call it a day. You know what I mean? For a team that's not winning the championship anyway. And I think for, like from a prudency standpoint, like that would be the move. And I know what you're saying. Like you don't want to come off cheap for the sake of being cheap. But yeah. if you're not going to win, I mean, they did spend. Like they 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 worked on spending when they had a championship window. They just have guys that might not fit that now. There's almost no chance you're going to be able to recoup more value than right now would be my guess. So you probably just have to do it. I, I, know, I know what you're saying, but I think it, it – I mean, they should have done this at last trade deadline, but they just, they kind of, they whiffed, right? So, but that, yeah. that ship has sailed. 
And it's interestingly enough, it's like you can easily go back and say, just let you to Watanabe play and trade Dorian Finney-Smith for two first-round picks and whatever. The results are the results. Not telling you he's the better player, just saying he's a player that you can play, right? The other thing I'll say to close out on, on this particular topic, and hopefully we hear more as we go into tomorrow, I prefer, by the way, that something unfolds before we get all the way to the draft so we can have a sense of where the Nets could be. We talked about next year's draft class being a little bit weaker. I wonder if that could end up being where Sean Marks makes the concession. We'd like to move up in this year's draft. We'd like to get where there's a lot of talented prospects. But you know what? If we can get the right team and go ahead and get first-round picks in next year's draft, maybe two of them, and have an opportunity to, again, target a specific player and get as high as possible, maybe that ends up being the the value point of, I wanted first round this year, but I'll take them where we're void and continue to try to work with those assets. Because I think I, I agree with you too. You can keep veteran players in front of the rookies you bring in in this draft class at 21 and 22, but at some point you're going to want to get the veterans out of the way. And, yeah. and I just wonder how the Nets try to work with that timeline coming up here in a second. We'll talk about the trades that have gone on around the league here, how it impacts Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets strategy and additional rumors that are building as we lead towards draft. All right, before we get to that, tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Look, Bird Dogs just make you look good. Bird Dogs are uh, stretch khaki short. They're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, uh, give you a really sculpted look. We got the Bird Dogs in the mail a couple weeks ago. I could probably count the hours on one hand. Eh, let's make it two hands, but this has been they've been here a long time, but I have not had the Bird Dogs on. They're so flexible, uh, really, really versatile. You can out there if you're really being really active, if you're just laying around the house. They're so comfortable. They got the wickaway sweat stuff too, so you're not going to feel embarrassed if you've been going, uh, you know, hard in the pickleball court like this guy's been uh, lately. And they just invented the cloud knit fabric. It looks just like khaki, but stretches gives you a slimmer fit. Don't have to sacrifice the movement. If you go, they're also going to throw in a free Yeti tumbler right now. I got the Yeti tumbler going in front of me right now. Adam always gives me a hard time because I don't know how to hold things in front of the camera. There we go. We both did it. Go grab that free Yeti tumbler. With an order of bird dogs right now, you go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. You grab that tumbler with the order. You go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for the free Yeti style tumbler. Grab yourself a couple pairs of shorts. Look, I, I can't give a more rousing endorsement than I just do not take these things off. Bird dogs is the way to go. You will feel the same way. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right. So as we turn our attention, tying it into where are the Nets trying to go? Can they move these veterans? Where are they going in the draft? Things have, well, almost unfolded, right? They're still trying to work out the details on some deals that seem like they're all but occurring. We heard about the Denver Nuggets now. They're going to get maybe back into the first round with a deal with the Pacers because the Pacers have so many picks that they don't know what to do with. And we've also caught the rumor that the Atlanta Hawks, it's been long speculated that whether it's DeJounte Murray, whether it's John Collins, they want to move one of these guys. And now they're talking about 15 and one of them to try to get up. We talked about that threshold, right? Above 10, where there's a clear breaking point around the talent levels. Does like, I'm going to say it like this all just bothers me because I want the Nets to be doing stuff. Like, why aren't the Nets being talked about with this stuff? Right. It's not like Nets aren't packaging and doing things. They're waiting. And we've and we've been preaching patience this whole time. But now it's too late. Now it's too late for patience. I need pan. Look. <laughs> look, there's. I think there's sometimes with this stuff. There's a lot. There's only look. There's only thirty teams. There's only so many deals that can be made, right? Yeah. You only have so so many players and so many picks. So it's not crazy to me that they're not in anything now. Uh, just getting trades done in general is is not easy. This is why there's way more rumors than actually trades um, that actually end up manifesting. So I'm not totally shocked that there has been 
not crazy movement here. There's also this, these 10, these things tend to just nothing, nothing, nothing. And then everything's a sprint also, yeah. right? Like, so I, just because you are, it behooves you often to wait to the last minute to see if more value materializes. Like it, it, for a lot of situations, it doesn't make sense to take the first offer or even the second, because you just don't know. There's so many, there are, you know, for us, there are only 30 teams, but there's also tons of moving parts. So I'm not, I'm not totally shocked about that. Go ahead. And then I can clarify that, but go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I agree. I know what you mean. Cause you, you, one domino has to fall before the next one does. And that, that ends up just being a hierarchy starts to get created based on what teams are trying to accomplish when we, you know, broaden it out and talk about Kristaps Porzingis and now the Boston Celtics. Like it is funny to me that there was this moment where it was Portland trailblazers, possibly trying to pursue Paul George. And it was like, all right, so the Clippers are going to maybe blow something up here a little bit. Hold on, flip it. Now the Clippers are going to gain Brogdon in this other trade. Like, from that standpoint, I commend the Brooklyn Nets if you care about this kind of stuff of like, don't start floating narratives where players on your team are like, am I all done here? We're talking about Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal, but this is why Mikhail Bridges, who we've long stood on, wasn't going anywhere he never had to have any sense that he was going anywhere because the organization never even allowed that to enter the conversation. Even if you think it's going to be successful, Paul George turns around and goes, huh, I guess, I guess this thing we're doing here maybe isn't, Oh no, it's back on. We're all good. That, that is such an interesting narrative about these, these late stages before the draft to me. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of this. I don't think there's going to be, end up being like crazy movement around the superstar stuff. I, that just, that seems like that's not really going to materialize. I mean, we start with Dame Lillard. Uh, you know, that's yeah. been the, obviously the name that's been talked about significantly when it comes with the nets, the more and more reporting that comes out, that just sounds like the, the blazers are going to take scoot here or excuse me. Uh, the blazers are going to be there at three and actually, no, sorry. The blazers are going to be there at three and it's going to be scoot. Um, and that that's just going to be kind of the way it ends up going. And Lillard probably isn't going to ask out before that. Now, what happens later in the summer? Who knows? Right. Like this, you know, think about when Kevin Durant asked for a trade. It was it was it, it, that that thing went, like went on way into the summer before ultimately just started stopping before the season started. So I don't think a Lillard trade would have to happen now. It does not look like that's going to be the case leading into this draft. I don't think for a player of his magnitude, it just doesn't sound like there's been enough movement at this point, mm -hmm. right? Like with less than 24 hours to go, the clock is sort of ticking on a great, on a huge deal like that. We've heard rumors around Zion too, maybe me moved, but that seems like it's slowed down. So I think around like the superstar, you mentioned PG, the superstar stuff. I, I don't really see that really materializing in the next 24 hours. Those are the ones that are fun to think about. Um, obviously Lillard to the nets is something that nets fans have been arguing about here for, I mean, a month now, more, yeah. <laughs> right? About whether or not it's going to happen, whether that's the right move. And it's been kind of a fascinating debate. But as I, I just, I think just because sometimes we want things to happen doesn't mean they're going to happen. Um, just yeah. because there's just so much that has to, you know, would you, do you feel the same way about Lillard at this point, though? I mean, like that's been the yeah. guy that we've talked about a ton, but now that we're really pushing into it, you know, it's something else that Lowe and Gavoni mentioned also was that. It kind of it actually parroted a lot of what we said on the podcast yesterday was that, you know, they might want bridges, but the Nets have no interest in doing that at all. So they're not going to move on and send bridges the other way. Right. And so if that's not going to happen, they're probably between a rock and a hard place in terms of what they think value is. But I mean, we're in agreement here just in the NBA landscape around news that Lillard, the Lillard thing is just not going to happen if at least before the draft. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, I think it's like a good caveat to put in there because while we look at it and say, 
he's not going to get traded and they're going to take Scoot Henderson. And we know maybe how, how Dame Lillard has expressed around that and, and wanting to get experienced guys around him. Things can unfold after the draft, depending on how things go for other teams. They may say, we didn't quite get the guy we wanted, or we got a guy that Portland looks at and says that fits really well for us, or a player that makes it easier to move a veteran maybe to Portland, or vice versa, right? So I think things can still open up, but but when we've talked about it, and I think you've said it, it's like D- Damian Lillard never said, never formally submitted, I want the trade. It was right. always pushing the organization to do something to make Portland better. Not to make the, another team better with him on it, to make Portland and the Trailblazers better so that he could finish his career there. And I, I did, I hinted this a little bit around drafting Scoot Henderson, where you go, maybe you draft him and you just try to let Lillard get some interaction with him and go, okay, this kid can do, you know, this kid can do it. We, we can do something here and you can make other moves. And that can turn a guy that doesn't want to go anywhere. It can help to turn him back around in a positive direction because that's all he's looking for. Just convince me. Convince me that this isn't going to be the same old thing. And remember, this past season for Damian Lillard, it's the first time. They haven't always been competitive. haven't always had deep playoff runs. They were shutting dudes down at the back end of the season. And I think that's probably the frustration for Damian Lillard, even if a trade isn't necessarily going to come. Um, just on the Porzingis piece, are you surprised by that in general? Just as a, as a general, he was going to opt out, going to go somewhere else. Then you get the opt-in. It's going to be Boston. Does that feel like a calculated move or does that feel like a team that saw something that saw some fractures in their ability to be a deep NBA Eastern conference playoff team in, in the Boston Celtics. Wow, it's an awesome trade for Boston. I, he was stats was awesome last year. I, like he, uh, that's really There's a wide range on that though. It's like, he was awesome last year. Like that's what everyone's saying. Uh, Nick Angstat locked on mass had a great line about this on Twitter. He's like, so let me get this right. Bradley Beal, Great, you know, great player. Porzingis coming off a great season. And he named somebody else in the Wizards coming off a great season. Oh, Kuzma. Yeah. Kuzma. But the Wizards stunk and they couldn't make the playoffs. Like it was this yeah. weird thing of being like a lot of great stats, like a lot of great guys, but you couldn't even make the playoffs collectively. Now it's different when you go somewhere else, but it was an interesting way to kind of look at that. Yeah, I actually tend I, 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 I that that's a hard thing to poke a hole in. But I think from like what Boston wants to do and sort of like what they need for a guy that can play four or five um, and yeah. like can play drop coverage and they can probably make it up with the guard and wing wing help defensively and he can stretch the floor and he can work in the post. I think that's a really good risk. He's going to opt in. So they're going to have to figure out what they're going to resign. And they didn't send really much in the way back. So I, that's a good, I, th- I thought those are good. Like the, the exact right kind of risk for a team like Boston. Um, yeah. And especially considering the wizards are like in full fire sale off of their disaster regime that just signed everyone to the worst deals of all time. Like I know wizards get killed here, but like that, that group that's selling these guys off wasn't the guys that signed them. So also, like, by the I, way, they're maybe picking up the 30th pick in the draft this year. And they just shed between Porzingis. I know he could have opted out, et cetera, but that was potentially over $70 million on the books that they just moved away from. Now you want to get more in the players and the value, but like that in and of itself is, is an important point. Like it's it, just to have the freedom of cap space and then start rebuilding. Whether we, you know, we don't have to go down the wizard's rabbit hole here as we'll turn our attention in a second to the prospects. Some of the guys that I got to talk to here and, and you maybe kind of just tea leaved your way into a potential player at the 21 and 22 range that we think could actually make a lot of sense for Brooklyn. We get into that here in a moment. 
All right, before we get to that, i tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head on over to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Add your ride to My Garage. That's the eBay My Garage. Don't pull into My Garage. And look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Just like in sports confidence, the name of the game. The same as when you shop on eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a w when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items exclusions apply all right so we close out looking at the draft obviously it's coming up we'll, we'll talk a little bit about my experience at nba media day it was a lot of fun people were great all the prospects were great uh, I, I said it on Twitter. I think they all should be drafted number one. That's my policy. I don't know if they can make that work, but they should all, all at least be paid by number like number one picks because everybody really was great. Um, but but let's talk about two players here. One that I had a chance to talk with today, actually, and the other one that you see the odds. And this has been a good way to look at it. last couple episodes. You've brought up go over to FanDuel, check some of the check where some of the betting odds are. It can give you a good indication about guys that could be available at twenty one and twenty two if ultimately the Brooklyn Nets stay there. All right. Yeah. So actually, let's talk about Olivier Maxim Prosper because you talked about him um, and uh, I'll get to my guy other here in a second. But you you talked to Prosper at uh, at Media Day. He's a guy that we did uh, did do a draft episode about not a whole episode. We did um, a longer segment about where we looked at a significant amount of tape for him. He's being now mocked in some places to the Nets specifically. The odds, like you mentioned, a fan duel have him plus 110 to go in the top 20, which just in case you can read odds, that means he's not favorite likely to go in the top 20, but right behind it, which again would put the Nets right at 21, 22. Uh, so that's where that, that number lands. But what were your feelings about uh, talking to him, being in the same room, asking him some questions uh, that was before he started getting mocked, like specifically here to the Nets when you talked to him at media day? I like to think in a lot of ways that it was me talking to him, you know, a little bit of traction. They start to get the buzz. Adam's, ta- Adam's talking to Prosper. It could be something here. Yeah, we all see I, I, In my goes. mind, it's not in my mind. It won't have gone any other way. So, <laughs> um, and if you got shunned by me immediate day, I'm, I'm sure you're plummeting right now on a lot of boards. I, I do. I love him. When we talked about him initially, I said everything about the, his baseline skill set looks like a very buildable and developable, developable player that the Nets need and could use the value of. To talk to him in person, he looks every bit of the size, maybe even a little bit bigger than the 6'8", 6'9", depending on where you look, he gets listed at. 230, like he has a strong frame. And I'm going to touch on one thing that means nothing to basketball. The dude was just absolute joy, like to yeah. be there. He was excited. He was engaging. He was really thoughtful around the fact that he played, you know, he's from Montreal. He looks at himself as being someone that now can start to help elevate basketball there, be someone that kids can look up to. He runs a camp there. And this is things that a lot of players do. But when you think about the ba- on the basketball court, he specifically mentioned when I asked him, what, what are the areas of your game that you feel like people are sleeping on and don't realize you actually can be a real contributor at? And in his role in college, he wasn't asked to bring the ball up a court a lot. He wasn't asked to shoot a lot. But he said, going back to high school, when I was playing, like that's a part of my game that I actually think can be a real asset at the NBA level. And, and he did that in workouts. That's why his stock has risen a little bit, because people were surprised relative to what you saw at Marquette. Ball handling is a little bit better. Court vision's a little bit stronger. Shooting touches there. Shot over 33% from beyond the arc. Like There's a lot of things that trend here. If, you, if I wanted to be balanced about it, 
the more th- as he took more free throw attempts, that number came down from two years ago to this past season, 73 from the line. But I, 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 I loved him when we talked about him. I love him even more now. I'm just going to gush about him because I, I really, I, I think that he's a guy, if you're sitting there at 21 and he's there, it'd it, be easy, no brainer. And I asked Rafael Barlow about him and he gave all the confidence that you could take him as high as 21. And that was back when he was sitting on the edge of the first round three, four weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to hear. I'm not surprised at all his pre-draft workouts went well. Uh, just having watched a bunch of tape on him, like you could see it. I mean, I was just going to read you my notes here real quick because I just think it's funny because I went back to read my – I went back once you had talked to him to read the notes I written. I wrote very high motor, uh, seven seven one wingspan, took more threes. Then I wrote, looks like he's having convulsions, kind of in a good way on the defensive end. Uh, I should not to use those words when I, when I highlighted it to him in person. (laughs) It was a compliment uh, and was able to hold up really good again. Are you convulsing on defense? Please. (laughs) Was able to hold up really well against good lead guards um, in, in switching schemes. So I'm all for this, a guy that can, a big that can switch uh, right away. I mean, literally yep. day one um, into the net scheme is going to be a guy that I'm sure Sean Marks and company like, right? Like they, and, and Jock Vaughn too, they want to play this scheme. All their other personnel is geared toward this, uh, except for Dayron. And so um, I am not, we said this at the time and I back it up now. Like the offense will be an absolute work in progress, but mm-hmm. the, like the nets are desperate, desperate for guys with high motors. Yep. Like, like I just, no one on the team has a high motor. Now they are skilled, right? It's not a knock, but it, like no one, they don't have a fly all over the court. Look a little crazy guy. I would be all on board with this pick. And if this is the personality to boot, I, I can, I'm, I'm right there for it. So it was fun to go back and look at the, the notes again. It was fun that you got to catch up with them. We can get into this other guy, but I'm, I would, I would co-sign this, this pick. If this is where the way they, the, the, if this was the way they decided to go, I'm getting choked up because I like it so much. I um I, I chose to use intensity as my word to describe his defense. And I will say too, I went back like after interviewing him, then you have some time in the media room, start watching some highlights. And I was, you know, a reminder on the offensive end, because it's funny, he has this intensity and this energy, which is great. Offensively, it, it, it it's it's slow but fluid. Like he had an ability to go to the basket, use some up and under looks, and the little mid-range, like you think about a Nicholas Claxton, you think about guys switching defensively, and that's great. But then on the offensive end, there's no game to be found there. He's got a little mid-game, you know, middle mid-range floater, a little mid-range fadeaway. Like those are the things that I think if you talk about moving on from a Dorian Finney Smith or moving on from a Royce O'Neal, you go, okay, there's a guy that can do things on both ends. One end of the floor is going to take longer, but you feel confident about those footsteps being available to you. So I really like him. Let's talk about your boy now because we we may have we may have dialed it in here, Doug. We may have done our jobs. Yeah, so I was looking through some odd stuff um, earlier today and actually into late last night on our podcast, and we were just looking at guys who hadn't been mocked a ton of places but whose odds on FanDuel had crept into this top 20. And I thought it was interesting uh, that one of these guys was uh, Brandon Podziemski, um, and it was just he was one of these guys from Santa Clara, sophomore from Santa Clara, was – just not not a guy that even like everyone else in the in like the 19 through 25 range had been like if you go somewhere I looked through a million mock drafts I think like 23 in total um maybe even more and every guy that it was kind of just like a, it was a lot of guys but it was all kind of the same guys that get mocked mm-hmm. into these places but this guy never went to the nets and I was like well you know it's funny because he's right around a plus 160 to go in the top 20 but nets are 21 and 22 and never no one ever says anything about him 
the guy is an absolute flamethrower from from deep. Uh, like if you watch the tape, this guy was taking logo threes in college when he doesn't need to because the college line is closer. But he had some heat check stuff. It was like honestly, at times after watching a bunch of it today, it like at times it was like he was shooting them specifically with the idea that people, the NBA guys, were going to be watching it later because there were sometimes he could have easily walked into a closer one and didn't. <laughs> um, he shot the out crazy lights. I shot forty four percent from three, and I'm telling you again, these were not all catch and shoot right at the line threes. Uh, like, and he just made all of them. He's six five. The athleticism isn't going to go crazy on you, but here's what you love to see. He's a 6'5 combo guard. He averaged nine rebounds a game at Santa Clara. Nine. Now, this is another issue that the Nets have had at times, and I know everyone was clamoring for like the rebounding thing. I, I get it. A 6'5 combo guard isn't going to just like solve your rebounding issues. But we know in the NBA there are guys that just have a nose for this, right? Like they just are good at it, right? And it's, sometimes it's size independent. Think about guards in the past who have been really good rebounders. James Harden's a great rebounder for a guard. Um, you know, obviously Russell Westbrook. Now, some of these guys go stat hunting for it for sure, but there are dudes that just have this sort of in their bag as part of like what they want to do as part of their game. I do not think he'll be a nine rebound. The guy. Like, think Josh Hart. Like, Josh Hart's like this. Yeah. Josh Hart's a smaller guy, smaller wing, and just absolutely wants to get after it on the boards. If you're a six five combo guard, even at Santa Clara, that's averaging nine boards a game, it's because you are absolutely going for it. And I think the Nets could really benefit from a guy like that. Again, athleticism won't go crazy on you. He's not really going to be taking a bunch of guys off the dribble. A lot of the like a lot of the in the lane stuff probably won't work at the NBA level. But right after kind of sending this out today and getting instead about it, Sam Vecini from the athletic mocked him and Olivia <laughs> and Olivia Maxson's prosper at 21 and 22 and said Podziemski specifically had been tied to the nets. Like uh, with, with OMP, he, he basically said, this is best, best athlete available, right? With Brandon, he said, this is a guy that's connected to the nets. I really think as we get closer, like this could be the guy. Um, so not married to it, not ready to bet on it, but this is as close we've gotten as like firm name yeah. and not speculation. I think yet. Yeah. And I'm not, um, I'm not against it because you need it. You, everything that you listed there in terms of his skill set, you need, I'm always going to have that little bit of pause around athleticism, especially yeah. when then you attach three point shooting to it. And then you immediately think Joe Harris and you just, you know, like, cause you, your, your, your mind, or at least my mind goes to this place of like, Okay, you know, not that athletic. Maybe can't do a lot of other things for you. When the shot's on, it's on. And when it's not, you're going to start to get a little bit frustrated with him. And that's not to put him into this singular category, right? There's upside. There's developmental uh, developmental ability to that. And the rebounding piece matters. Like, it matters if you just, as you said, have a nose for the ball at a position that doesn't need to be a primary rebounder, but can grab a couple of those weak side ones on the defensive glass when your other bigger bodies are battling some guys underneath. I wouldn't say I co-sign off on this being 21 and 22 and I'm elated about it. However, that can that, a lot of that is predicated on the idea that Brendan was not a player that was really getting talked about in this range where I, I, I didn't look at him nearly as deeply as I, as I have with other guys that felt like they were a realistic option. So it'll be interesting to see over the next 24 hours if this becomes a, even more set in stone. And, and then we'll really start to get a sense of maybe what the moves the Nets want to make around these picks in terms of adjusting the roster. Because now you want to make space for these guys to have real roles coming in the door. 
And just like as a note about this, like where he's mocked into other places, like Kevin O'Connor over the ringer has him at 25, right? Like, so he's, he's living sort of, what's that? Not too far off. Like, you know, 20 to 25, 26 ish range. Like that's, yeah, like exactly. Like he's living, like he's sort of living in these ranges. So it's not, it wouldn't be this crazy over grab. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, Um, but it just, like I said, it's worth bringing up because it's not a guy that we had dive, dive, divin, dove too much into over the last couple of days. But like in thinking about it and like sort of like a, he would represent to me like a one for now, one for later. We talked about this with some mm-hmm. other guys. Like, I mean, Chris Murray was sort of like this, um, but that I'm not sure that name's going to stay sticky in terms of where the Nets are. But it was like, could he come into play right now? Yeah, probably. Right? What is right. it? Is he going to be ever be great? No, probably not. But if you have two picks, it makes sense to maybe grab a guy that you feel like you could play day one, and a guy that maybe is going to play day 365 or something like that. Right. Or, you know, day 180. And so um, these two guys, at least from a sort of archetype standpoint, do sort of fit that, I think, for the Nets. But not to say this is going to be the way they would go, but it makes sense that these two, like this kind, these two kind of guys will be mocked to them. uh, And in that, and and in that mode, it makes sense. If you think back to what was the back end of the season, what were the players around Mikhail Bridges and what did they lack, right? Consistency from the outside, consistent three point shooting that provided spacing. Cause if Mikhail Bridges is your number one, and we can be excited about the next level of his game, you need to create pockets for him because he can live in the mid range, just like some of the best shooters in the game, but not if you don't have consistent threats. Dorian Finney Smith struggled in this area. Royce O'Neal, hot and cold coming in off the bench. Joe Harris, absolute dumpster fire by the end of it all, right? Like, <laughs> so you do need to add that in there to make sure that you're giving Mikhail Bridges the right supporting cast to elevate his game as high as possible. Hardest shot I've ever taken at Joe Harris. What a, what a time. Yeah, buddy. Man, just rough times to be around these streets. This has been a pretty pro Joe. I mean, it was, it's hard. It was hard to defend this season. Uh, okay, look, we're going to get out of here on the regular pod. If you're listening on the podcast, you have to be subscribed to YouTube because we're about to go live on YouTube for a while here. I think uh, we got a bunch of people in listening, people throwing in questions already. Hang around here for a little bit. Uh, throw a question in at Locked On Nets if you have some stuff to ask. As a reminder, for those of you that are listening on the podcast feed or just catching up with YouTube later, uh, make sure you are around for draft night. We are going to be live for probably, quite possibly a long time. Uh, like Matt, Adam, will, <laughs> Adam will be at the draft. I'll be here live doing as much stuff as I can, uh, just leading into the draft. Who's coming off the board? Some of it's, hey, some of it's going to be sort of like on the fly. Might get a little funky because I'm going to be watching the draft live with everybody else and just trying to react to it. Uh, but we're going to put it up on YouTube and just have some fun with it too. So make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Nets over on YouTube to grab all that. And here, hang around for a couple minutes because we're going to do Locked On Nets live on YouTube uh, going here in a sec. You know, I had a heck of an experience today and it's going to continue tomorrow. And it brought to mind, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days ah. before you've actually left them. Andy from the office andrew andrew bernard one of the all-time great poets we will be back again tomorrow and in a second on youtube with more brooklyn that's basketball